0: How we doing, church? Thank you so much for taking time to connect with us today. Hello, hello, hello to everybody who is watching us online. Great big good morning to everybody at our Crescent campus. Thank you so much for being in the house today there. And I want to say good morning to everybody who's watching at St. Greg's. It's good to connect with you guys and girls as well. Hey, grab a Bible. Um, turn it on, open it up, uh, follow along in an outline if you have one, or just look at the scriptures when we put them up on the screen. Um, We're going to Luke chapter 5 today. That's where we're going to be all day. Um, We're in week number 4 of a series called House Party. And in this series, um, we're really celebrating the goodness, the greatness, the provision, and the protection of God to his people and his house. And this is one of those series that, that looked a lot different on paper Um, because as i've been putting these messages together they've developed um a little bit actually a lot different than what I originally thought. I knew that I wanted to take this time and I wanted to make it sort of an I Love My Church type series and I knew that, that we wanted to, to talk about how great Central is and all the great things that God is doing and we wanted to celebrate the goodness, the greatness, and provision and the protection of God but when I really started looking at what was happening here at Central and how he is taking us not just as individuals but as a church through our next steps and, and where we believe he wants us to go as as a church. It's been amazing to work through these messages. Um, It's also funny how God works, and sometimes I just look and shake my head, and I'm just like, God, I I just don't understand, because I've outlined some of these messages months ago, and and the way that they're working in, and the way that these things are coming together with what is currently happening is absolutely crazy. So let me start off this message like this. Um, In the church world, now, this is only true in the church world i don't know if this is really true in the real world, but the church world is where I have a lot of my experience and so in the church world, we've been told or maybe we've even said some of these things these are These are some things that that we maybe believe um, and and they sound good, but they're not actually true. I could probably list out a ton of things here, but for time's sake um, I'll just list out a a, a couple. Um, Here's the first thing that we hear, and it sounds great. You've probably seen this. Uh, It's probably on a coffee mug. It could be on a coffee mug. It could be on a T-shirt, a bumper sticker, whatever. It it sounds beautiful, but at the end of the day, um, it's not completely true, and and it's this. If you pray more, you will worry less. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever seen that somewhere? If you pray more, then you'll worry less. If you pray Now now listen, that sounds true, and and, and there are elements to that that are true, and and I am not at all discounting prayer. I'm telling you, there there have been some amazing prayer times in my life that as I've prayed, and this happened to me this week, I was worried about something, and I was praying, and as I was praying, I experienced some peace. It was absolutely amazing, but sometimes that's just not true. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to raise my hand and admit that sometimes I've prayed about something and I've actually worried more as I've been praying for that. Anybody else ever feel that way? Anybody else ever ever got that way? In fact, um, one time I remember I was praying about something, and as I was praying, my anxiety was actually increasing. I went to a friend, and I told him, I'm like, hey, man, I'm praying about this. And, and as I'm praying, I'm just worrying more and more, and I'm praying, and I'm worrying more, and I'm worrying more. And he told me, he looked right at me. And he told me that I was praying wrong. And so when somebody tells you you're praying wrong, you got this whole idea of am I am I praying right? Am I praying wrong? Is there actually a right or wrong way to pray? Like I didn't even know you could pray wrong. But evidently, according to some people, there's a formula. You know where you've got to like stand on one foot, put your hand on top of your head, and jump three times. Like that, that's what you got to do. All that stuff. Um. And so, so so anyway. That's one of the things that we say, that we believe. Um, It's not necessarily true. Um, Here's another one. You've probably heard this, maybe even said this, or this is, it's this. God will never give you more than you could handle. You ever heard that? Don't raise your hand if you've ever said it. I mean, we've all said it. It sounds good. Sounds great. It sounds absolutely beautiful. But guess what? It is absolutely Absolutely not true. Now, I know where this idea comes from. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that God, where it says God will not allow us to be tempted. Everybody say tempted. God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. It does not say God will not give you more than you can handle. It doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. Think about this. If God will never allow us to be put, for more to be put on us than what we could handle, then explain Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, praying to God, Father, take this cup from me. If God didn't allow more to come on us than we could handle, then how in the world would we ever discover our need for God? Now, we could do an entire series on that, right? We we really could, or entire entire message at least. But I, I need to get to the main point here. This is the third thing, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time today. You might not like it, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Here's the third thing that some people say is not necessarily true. We are a church for everyone. We're a church for everyone. Now, when people say that, I think they mean it in their minds, but not in actuality. And and I want to say this, because some of you are like, in this entire series, you've been saying this for like months, you've been saying we're a church for everyone. Central Church, listen to me, Central Church is going to be a church where everyone is welcome, like everyone, everyone is welcome. But at the end of the day, I understand we're not going to be a church for everyone, it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like ice cream. How many of you like ice cream? I love ice cream. I love it love it Lo- I mean you look at me you could tell it dude loves ice cream. I love ice cream. I, I love when the Glidden ice cream place I just space what that place is called but when they have the lemon ice cream cone out there when it, that thing's out there like I love driving over there. I love when I come back from St. Greg's and stopping there and getting ice cream. I love ice cream but I don't love every flavor of ice cream, right? Like like there are flavors that if I go there or if I go to Culver's or I'm at 32 Choices at Baskin-Robbins, like there are choices, there, 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 are, there are ice cream choices that I'm not choosing, right? It's the same for you. You like ice cream, but you don't love every flavor of ice cream. It's the same ch- thing that's true at church. We are gonna be a church that's for everyone But we might not be everyone's flavor of church. And so what we're looking for as a church are partners. And and what I mean by that is people who will partner with us to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And people who will partner with us to do whatever it takes short of sin to reach those people who are far from Jesus with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you where I'm getting this from. Last year, 2020, um, we started out the year and we did a series called "Called Out." Um, it was a it was about Jesus calling us out of our comfort zone. It was a walkthrough of Luke chapter 5. And in that series, um, there was a section of Scripture in Luke chapter 5 that I left out because in that series, I didn't really know how to communicate it. And I, I, and I really had no idea what what to say or how to bring it out until now. In fact, I wrote in my notes way back then, this would be a really good subject to talk about in an I Love My Church type series. And so, that's what we're doing today. Real quick, Luke chapter five. um, Jesus is preaching on the shores of Capernaum. And all these people are crowding around him and they're pushing on him and they're pushing on him and they're pushing on him they want to get close and they want to hear him. And so he turns around and he sees two boats. Not one boat, two boats. The Bible specifically tells us two boats. And when I looked at that the first time, I'm like, "Man, why is this important? What's going on here? Um, Two boats. Over on one side are Peter and Andrew and James and John, and they had been fishing all night, and they caught nothing. And in that series, we talked about how they were probably confused. They were probably frustrated. They were probably worried because, again, they had fished all night. They were professional fishermen. That's how they provided for their families, and they're they're coming back from fishing all night, and they're going home with absolutely nothing. All they wanted to do was clean their nets, the Bible said, and go home. Well, Jesus comes up to these boats and he looks at Peter and he gets in Peter's boat and he says, hey, can you put this boat out a little bit further away from shore and let me use it to kind of teach the people. He wanted to kind of get back so he could teach the people. Now Peter, at this point, didn't understand who Jesus was. He didn't understand that what Jesus wanted. He had no idea what Jesus was calling him into. Peter didn't even have correct theology. Peter was a messed up person. Peter was a jacked up individual. I'll show you that in a minute. But Peter was messed up. And so Jesus gets into the boat of this messed up individual, and he teaches the people. And after he teaches, he turns around to Peter. And if you remember the teaching from this before, I I told you at this point, Jesus didn't issue a command. He gave Peter an invitation. And it was an invitation to step into relationship with him. He said, hey, I want you to put out deeper and a little bit deeper, out into the deeper waters. I want you to push out into the deeper waters and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter's response was, Master, we've been out all night and caught nothing. We're tired, and we want to go home. In other words, he's like, dude, we, we, we've done this before. It doesn't work. You know what? That's people's attitude when it comes to Christianity. I tried, it doesn't work. But don't miss this. Peter had tried fishing without Jesus. And I think a lot of people try Christianity without Jesus. We'll unpack that in a little bit. It'll be a lot of fun. But, but I do. I think a lot of people try Christianity without Jesus. And so Jesus just says, hey, just trust me. Just put out a little bit deeper for a catch. And Peter pushes back, and Peter goes out, and, and something happens that absolutely blows Peter's mind. The Bible says they go out, they put out their net, they bring it up, and it's full of fish, and that's where we're going to pick up the story today. Luke chapter five, verse seven. The Bible says, "So, so they, and and I believe it's Peter and Andrew, and in, in the first boat. So they signaled their partners, James and John, in the other boat. Now, now I I don't I don't know what the signal was. I don't know if it was whoo." Ooh, crap, we got a lot of fish. Hey, guys, come on. Like, I don't know what it was, but it was something, and it was huge. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. So it took both boats. Don't miss this. Signal their partners to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Both boats. Both boats began to sink. This is huge. Peter, signaled, don't miss this. Peter signaled his partners. And his partners came. Because listen, 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 listen. The work that Jesus wants to do in our life is way bigger than our own lives. It's going to impact other people. The work that Jesus was doing in Peter's life impacted way more than just Peter. Yes or no? Yeah, it impacted Andrew. It impacted James. It impacted John. And eventually, it impacted the entire world. So what Jesus wants to do in our life is bigger than our lives, right? He signaled, this is huge, he signaled partners. And that's what we really want to do here at Central Church. We want to find partners. Now, before I get into what a partner is, let me tell you what I believe our church is not looking for. Um, there are four things. Um, actually, I, I made a list of eight, um, but the Baptist in me narrowed it down to four um, for sensitivity and time purposes. Um, and each of these could be a sermon all by themselves. Um, and so I'm not gonna spend tons of time in them. But there are four specific types of people that, that listen, you are welcomed. I am not saying that, that you're not welcome, that these types of people cannot come. I'm just saying that that you most likely will not love us. You might not find us to be your flavor. All right, so here we go. If you're taking notes, write these down. Number one, the professional Christian. If you're a professional Christian, you're probably not going to love our church. Now, I was thinking about how to set this up the other day, and I thought back to years ago. Um, I used to belong to a gym in Indy. Now. Um, If you've ever gone to a gym, this is true of any gym, you kind of get to know everybody in there. Everybody kind of goes at the same time, and everybody, for the most part, has the same routine, right? So... At this particular gym, um, there was a guy, he was always there when I got there, and he was always there after I left. Um, I was an early afternoon guy, um, I would get there early afternoon, he, he would be there, and he would stay after I was gone. For about the first two months of this, I thought the dude worked there, but over time, I I learned that his routine is that he would just walk around and talk to people. He would come in early in the morning, and he would spend a big part of his day there. He would sit down, he would read the newspaper, drink some coffee, get up, talk to some people, go and sit down, look on his phone. Like In a year and a half of going there, I saw him on a treadmill one time. And he talked on his phone the entire time he was on that treadmill. He never worked out. He would just walk around. He would drink his coffee. He would talk to people. He would interrupt people. He drove people absolutely nuts. There was a lot of activity going on in his life, but there was no productivity in his life. You know what I'm talking about? And and I remember seeing him one time at a hardware store and hearing him tell his friend, oh, I'm so tired. I was in the gym for two and a half hours this morning. And I wanted to say, dude, you didn't even do anything. You were there, but just because you were present does not mean that you were active. Now, how that translates to what we're going to do as a church is um, we are not going to be a church that is marked by a bunch of spiritual activities throughout the week that get us so ingrained in biblical culture that we actually neglect the people that Jesus called us to do life with and then reach. let me stop for a second because there might be some pushback on that. Let me say this. I, I'm not saying spiritual activity is bad. I'm, I'm not. We're, we're going to have groups. We're going to have life groups. We're going to have connect groups. We're going to do all of these things. We're going to have youth group, and we're going to have kids church, and we're going to have men's group and women's group. We're, we're, we're going to do all of those things. I'm just saying that the most spiritually active people 2,000 years ago were actually the people that killed Jesus. In many cases, spiritual activity does not lead to humility or even maturity. It leads to arrogance. And the reason I say that is because when we do more and more and more and more spiritual activity, the more we do, the more we think that other people need to be like us rather than other people need to be more like Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? So I say all of that to say this. The thing that Central Church is going to be focused on is connecting people to Jesus and each other. Connecting people to Jesus and each other. And within that, we are going to be hyper-focused on the weekend experience. We want this to be a place where you're excited to attend regularly. Listen, Jesus said, that the world is going to be able to tell that you belong to me by the way that you love one another, but not by how much you do, not by how much you know, but by the way that you connect and love one another. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on connecting, and we're going to focus on loving one another. Number two, the second type of person that probably won't be happy here is what I want to call the plank eye. Um, now. Where I get this from is where Jesus said, and, and we talked about this and a couple series ago, and, and this was one of the messages, and we talked about before you look at the speck, and your brother's eye get the plank out of your own eye. And, and we said the best way to illustrate this is, is like, like this. Let's say we all go out to dinner and we're all sitting down, and we're talking, and they bring out the salads, right? And we're eating in the salads, and after we get done, we're talking with our friends, and we look, and we give them a great big smile, and right here is like some lettuce, and, and not just a piece of lettuce. I'm talking like a head of lettuce, and it's screaming out at everybody every time we open our mouths, right? Now, now just quick question. How many of you want somebody to tell you that you have lettuce in your teeth. How many? That's all of us, right? But let me ask you this question. What's the very first thing that you would do personally before you told your friend, hey, got some lettuce in your teeth? What's the first thing you would do? Right? You got a tongue thing, you're you're like checking your own teeth, right? Because you don't want to tell your friend, hey dude, you got some lettuce in your teeth when you have a whole garden hanging out of your mouth, right? You don't want to do that. So that's the environment that we want to have here at Central Church. P- people have told me, Ryan, it, it seems like it seems like your church is all about grace and you don't you don't talk about sin. You don't deal with sin and you're not you're not calling sinners sinners. Well, that's that's simply not true. We are not afraid to have difficult conversations. I, I've been having them all week. But when we do have a difficult conversation, we will always approach it with a posture of humility and not superiority. We're gonna check our own teeth before we tell somebody else that they've got something in their teeth. That's what we're going to do. That's who we are. At the end of the day, listen to me. If somebody has something going on in their life that is hurting them or destroying them, it's not kind and it's not loving for us to not have a conversation with them. But the way we do it is going to be in love every single time. And listen, this is just what I've learned. And it might be wrong. It it might be. And if it's wrong, one day I'll stand before Jesus and I'll learn that it's wrong. If I tell you that you have lettuce in your teeth and you don't want to clean the lettuce out of your teeth, I'm still going to be your friend. And I'm still going to pray for you. And I'm going to try my very best to continue to support you. You say, where do you get that? Well, Jesus had dinner with a guy who was about to betray him. And he washed his feet beforehand. That's love. That's love. And that's what we want to demonstrate here at Central Church. So no plank eye. No professional Christian. I'm not saying you can't come. I'm just saying you're probably not going to like it. Number three, no pretenders. When I read that they they signaled their other partners, and um, I told you I don't I don't know how they did it. Every time I do, I just kind of chuckle because I can I can just kind of picture like a bat signal or something like some, something crazy to get the other boat to come. Um, and it makes me think back to when I was a kid. I love to play Batman. Like Batman was my absolutely favorite superhero. One time, and I've told you this story um, before, um, but I had Batman underoos. Anyone remember underoos? Um, they were like, here's a picture of them. They were like tidy whities um, These are tidy blueies I guess. Um, and a t-shirt. Um, that, that's underoos. And there was a commercial and in the 80s. Everybody had them. They were the greatest thing ever. And so one time, um, I had on my underoos. Batman t-shirt, blue underwear tucked the t-shirt into the underwear so that you could see the utility belt, put on moon boots. I don't know if you remember moon boots in the 80s, but man, they were just absolutely crazy. Put on moon boots and went outside to play. All the kids were running around, and they're like, Ryan, what the heck is happening? And I was like, I am Batman. And they're like, no, you are an absolute freak. Get away from us. And I'm running around the neighborhood, and all the kids are wigging out, and they're making fun of me, and I couldn't figure out why. And so I went to my friend Mike's house. Mike was my best friend. And Mike's dad, I'm knocking on the door, and I never will forget, he opens up the door, and he literally... Fell on the ground laughing at me. And I was like, I will kill you. I am Batman. He was just like, Ryan, you look absolutely ridiculous. And right there it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh. I thought that I was cool because I had an under ruse, but what I thought was reality really wasn't reality. I thought I was one thing and I really wasn't. Even though I was pretending to be something, I wasn't something. The same thing is true in the church world. I feel like there are so many people that feel like they have to pretend when they walk in the church. And here's the reason why we pretend. Because if who they really were were ever discovered, they might be asked to leave. But can we all agree, at the end of the day, without the grace of God, we're all screwed, right? And so I just really, 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 really want us to be a place where people don't have to pretend. Because lately it seems like the least safe place in the world to actually confess sin is the church. And, and, and I want this to be a safe environment where people who are really struggling with something that is physically, emotionally, or spiritually causing them harm, like they just, just don't have to pretend. Like you don't have to show up and say, oh, I'm doing great today. Praise the name of Jesus. You can say, my week sucked. And I'm having a really difficult time trusting God right now. And when you say that, we, we don't say, oh, get away from me. We say, you know what? You came to the right place today. Welcome to church. Let's, 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 let's walk through this thing together. Let's figure this thing out together. And so if you're somebody who has to pretend, I'm not saying you can't come. I'm just saying if if people are really messy, and and, and that's what we have here, people who are really messy, these really messy people might make you uncomfortable. Number four, the fourth type of person that will not love our church is the prejudiced person. I'm Baptist, so I made them all with Ps. You see that? (laughs) Um, And listen to me. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to move on, um, or else I'll be on this point forever. We are going to see people like Jesus sees people, period. That's it. We're going to see people like Jesus sees people. If you want us to conform, kick out a certain color, or pick on certain sins or certain lifestyles, this probably is not going to be your place. You say, all right, Ryan, well, if it's not for all of that, then, like, who, who's going to enjoy the church? Like, who's going to get it? Who, who is? Well, people that want to partner with us in the mission and the calling that God has for central church right now. People who want to partner. Because watch this. They catch all these fish. And then the Bible says this in verse eight. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. This is unbelievable. Because if Jesus would have told me to do it, like I I would have like 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 if I'm a businessman like him and we just caught a bunch of fish, I'd say, Hey dude, what you doing tomorrow around noon? Like let's go back out fishing again, right? I mean, I would be wanting to make more money, trying to kind of network or what whatever. I don't know. But don't miss this. Peter realizes that he's in the presence of greatness and all of a sudden he falls on his knees and he's saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And watch Jesus' reply because this is awesome. This is the middle, uh, middle part of verse 10. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. He's like, hey, I know you're jacked up. I know you're messed up. I know you're not perfect, but listen, dude. Don't freak out. Don't be afraid. It says, "Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people." So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Peter's basically saying, "I'm not I'm not worthy to follow you." And Jesus said, "Yeah. You're right. But don't let that freak you out. Don't let that stop you. Just come. Just come and follow me." So that's the message, and and, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. The message of religion is, is change, and you can follow Jesus, but the message of Jesus Christ is follow me, and eventually you'll change. So what is a partner? What does a partner look like? Well, let me give you five qualities of a partner, specifically partners who will celebrate here at Central Church. This is what we're going to be looking for, praying for, and hoping for when it comes to partners. Listen, partners... Partners are ready. When Peter when, when Peter signaled James and John, they were ready. And so we're looking for partners who are ready to do five things. Number one, ready to make progress. Ready to make progress. I told you last week that we're going to celebrate progress over perfection all the time. We're going to celebrate progress over perfection. And one of the things that we're really going to value at Central Church is people who really do make progress in their walk with Jesus, progress. Listen, 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 listen. Progress is somebody who simply takes a next step. That's progress. We're not looking for compliance to a set of rules. We're looking for people who want to make progress in their relationship with Jesus. And you know what? If people take two steps forward and then take one step back, instead of criticizing the one step back, we're going to celebrate the one step forward. You know why? Because it's progress. I want to see people make progress in their walk with Jesus. And listen, listen, listen. We're not going to compare one person's progress to another. Because here's what I've discovered personally in ministry and in my own life. One person can take 10 steps forward. Another person can take one step forward. We'll celebrate the 10-step person and we'll look down on the one step. When the one step was actually harder for that person to take than it was for this person to take 10 steps. Everybody's got their own spiritual journey. Everybody. And we are going to continually celebrate progress. I, I thought about this a couple of weeks ago. And I'll make a really long story, really short. Um, We were at a softball game. Um, A girl on my team had messed up sliding into third. And when I say messed up, she messed up. She completely face planted. Like she just went head first. Her legs came up. She looked like a scorpion. It was ugly and it was bad. Her head bounced off the ground. And when that happened, everyone was like, oh, like, like it was bad. But this girl, Got up, put a smile on her face, picked up some dirt, rubbed it on herself, and started dancing. And, and I went, "That's what I want right there. That's what. That's what we want. People that feel like they have done a." base plant in life, but instead of staying down, they get up, rub some dirt on it, and dance. That church, that's progress. I think that's something that our Heavenly Father celebrates, is progress, and we will celebrate it as well. Number two, a partner's ready to serve purposefully. One of the things I've always said, and, and I believe this with all of my heart, listen, a, a, a church is not effective when a pastor ministers to the people. A church is effective when the body ministers to the body. Instead of me taking care of a group of people, we're going to learn how to take care of one another. Because there are people in the church, listen to me, there are people in the church that are way better equipped to care for and take care of other people like way better than me. We have to be a church that's built not on the gifts and talents of just a few, but on the sacrifices of many. It's not about what I can do for people. It's about what we can do for one another. And so if you're focused on a church that's all about what it can give to you and not care about how you can serve, you might not like it here. Because listen, Jesus wants to use you. Jesus has gifted you. He has empowered you. And at the end of the day, a partner is somebody who's ready to serve purposefully. Listen to me. If Jesus used Peter, if he uses me, he can use anyone. He really can use you. Number three, a partner is ready to give generously. And yes, I'm talking about financially. And no, I'm not going to spend time talking about this today. I'm just going to say, one of the things I want us to do as a body of believers is find enough value in the church to financially invest in it. That's one of the things a partner is willing to do, give generously. Number four, a partner is ready to reach out and invite boldly. We're going to reach people, and we are going to do whatever it takes short of sin to reach people and in doing that we are going to reach really messy people listen to me this world is desperate for Jesus it's full of people that think they have blown it and they want a second chance those are the people that are going to that we're going to reach and we want people who are going to partner with us in that mission to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ Number five, partner's ready to connect relationally and celebrate. Now, I want us to be a church where we really do connect, not just to Jesus, but to each other, and that we continually celebrate. I, I want us to be a church that's always ready to celebrate. Now, when I say celebrate, let, let, let me just set it up like this. Let me, let me ask you a question. This is for everybody. Who won the Super Bowl eight years ago? Who won the Kentucky Derby nine years ago? Who won the NBA Finals 14 years ago? See, I'm saying these things, and and probably nobody knows, without without the help of Google. Maybe somebody of you know, maybe your favorite team won or whatever. I don't know, and that's where my illustration will break down. But, But right now, most of us don't know. But at the time, they were celebrated like crazy. And all I'm trying to say is this. The world loves to celebrate the temporary while the church refuses to celebrate the eternal. And so one of the things that we're always, always, always going to do is be willing to celebrate when people meet Jesus and take their next steps, and when people begin to connect to each other. And as we see people connect to Jesus and to each other, we should celebrate. We really, really, really should. In fact, we always will celebrate that. Let me finish up like this. Let me kind of explain this this partner thing one last time, one other way. When it comes to, like, groceries, like unloading groceries, like from the car, um, I'm a one-tripper. Anybody else a one-tripper? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like I don't care if arms are, or bags are, like, all the way up my arms, tied on my legs. Like, I am not going back to the car a second time. Anybody else? Anybody else like that? Um, <laughs> a few weeks ago, Mary came home with a van full of groceries, and she um, I went outside to to carry them in. Now, just for reference and clarity, Mary said, hang on, and I'll help you. But being a man, I said, I got it. Um, So I went out and um, open up the back of the van and she's got like all of these groceries and so I pick up like a case of water and I put it under my arm and I pick up a gallon of milk and and I've got all of these groceries I've got all these plastic bags like going up my arms and I'm walking to the door and my heart rate is elevated and I'm sweating a little bit and as soon as I got to the door I had to figure out how to open the door and so I've got all of this stuff and I'm like propping my leg up on the side of the house and and I'm trying to balance and and I take a bag and I put like a bag in my teeth and and I'm trying to reach out and, and as soon as I did, one of the bags broke because she had bought green beans. Um, They must have been on sale, because as they were rolling down the driveway, it looked like she had bought every can in Carroll. But one bag broke, and then two bags broke, and I lost my balance, and I dropped the case of water. And before I knew it, there were groceries everywhere. I looked in the door, and Mary was coming outside, and she's looking at me like, you are a complete idiot. And I was like, I know. I should have asked for help. Listen, don't miss this. She was offering to partner with me to help me carry the load. But I tried to carry the load all by myself, and I made a mess. In the past 10 years, when it comes to church, I've done that in the past. I'm not going to do it anymore. From now on, we're going to have partners who are willing to step in and step up in this church and say, you know what? I don't want to occupy a seat. I want to make a difference. I'm thankful for everybody right now that currently serves, for everybody right now that has has partnered up with us, and I'm thankful that we're gonna have a church where one person doesn't carry the load. Everybody pitches in, everybody helps, because everyone is qualified to do something significant for Jesus. Hey, this is gonna be a church where we will continue to celebrate because of the goodness, the provision, and the protection of God, and as we celebrate and partner together, we'll continue to watch him do amazing things. Listen, we really do want to partner with you as you attend regularly, invite boldly, serve purposefully, give generously, and connect relationally, because that, that is when church becomes fun. Let's pray.